13. Mark chapter 13. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for this hour. Open our eyes of understanding. I pray that you will touch everyone, that no one leaves this place the same way that they came in. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Mark chapter 13. Um, this is not part of the series, but I want to admonish us with this scripture before we go to what we are into today. Mark chapter 13, verse 32. Mark 13, verse 32. But of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Which day is Jesus talking about? The day of his return. Can you imagine that Jesus himself doesn't know when he is returning? And then somebody will get up around the world gathering disciples and telling them, giving them debts as to when Jesus is coming. And people will foolishly gather. Some years ago like that, one preacher gathered people like that, had them sell all their stuff and they were waiting for Jesus to return. And of course, Jesus didn't return and they lost all their properties. So Jesus said in verse 33, take heed, watch and pray, for you do not know when the time is. It is like a man going to a far country who left his house and gave authority to his servants and to each his work, and commanded the doorkeeper to watch. Verse 35, watch therefore. Look at how many times the word watch is used. Watch. What does it mean to watch? Be alert, yes? What's another word? Watch. Be sensitive. What, what does it mean to watch? Sorry? Observe? Observe. Is that what you said? To observe, to observe, okay? To to be ready. What does it mean to watch? To be alert, to, be, to take note. Eh? Be vigilant. God bless you. That, be vigilant. Watch. So if you were to, well, in this country, it's not quite like Nigeria. In Nigeria, some of these people, they will have a large compound and then they will have a watchman at the gate. And in fact, this is the truth. You know, some years ago, my friend, uh, Brother Otnell, uh, who uh, is working with the United Nations, well, he's retiring this year, he was in Sudan uh, some years ago, and uh, it was, this was a true story. It was a true, a true story. There was a watchman uh, who was keeping watch over uh, some facil a facility, and uh, he slept off. He slept off, and a large snake, you know, this large snake came and swallowed him. They showed it, it was in the, in the picture, it was in the pictures. It was, he sent it to me. A snake came and swallowed, a, a watchman, somebody who was supposed to be keeping watch, was swallowed up by a python. You know, this large snake, a python, was swallowed up. They showed, they showed it. And he died, and of course, they had to kill the python and then cut the python to bring out his body for burial. A watchman. A watchman. You know, one thing with a watchman is that he needs to be armed. If you're not armed, then your watchfulness is not very useful. But God has given us the armory. 
We, so we are not just watching. We are watching against the enemy. God has given us ammunition against the enemy to be watchful. Hallelujah. So that the enemy will not swallow us up. God doesn't want that day to come and take us by surprise. He said, watch. Watch, verse 35. Watch therefore, for you do not know when the master of the house is coming, in the evening, at midnight, at the crowing of the rooster, or in the morning, lest coming suddenly he find you sleeping. And verse 37 is the main place I'm getting to. And what I say to you, I say to all. Watch. Jesus was speaking to his disciples. But he finishes by saying that what I am saying to you, my disciples, now, I am saying to all. So that means what Jesus was saying to his disciples 2,000 years ago, he was saying and he is saying to us now. What I say to you, I am saying to all. Watch. We need to be watchful. Hallelujah. We need to be watchful. I believe that Jesus Christ is still coming. We don't know when, but I believe he is coming. And I believe that our service and our commitment to God is not in vain. He says, I'm coming quickly and my reward is with me. Jesus is still coming. So we need to be determined. We need to remain determined. No quitting. Jesus talked about the narrow path, the narrow way. It is straight. It is narrow. It is difficult. But those who go that path are the people that find life. The broad way where everybody goes without effort. That is the way to destruction. So we must keep on in this narrow path. It is difficult, but we keep on it. It is challenging, but we keep on it. Hallelujah. Because we are not quitting, we are not giving up. Glory to the name of Jesus Christ. And so, I have been talking about the fact that we are not to be distracted. We must not be distracted. We must not be deceived. You know, when I began this series before I traveled to Nigeria a couple of months ago, I did tell us something, you know, that um, even in a situation whereby somebody is legitimately deceived, I mean, you're talking of the person legitimately deceived. The person is still held accountable for their action, even though they were legitimately deceived. So the fact that you were deceived does not exonerate you from the consequences of whatever you are deceived about. You know, that is a fearful thing. And that is why we, it's part of being watchful is making sure you know the truth for yourself. Read the Bible for yourself so that you will not be subjected to the lies of people. Eve, the Bible says, was deceived, but God still held her resp responsible and accountable for her actions. Yes, the devil was blamed for his part. <laughs> but Eve was also punished. Till today, mankind is still suffering. People are being deceived. People, millions of people are going to hell, having been deceived. The greatest platform 
is religion. More people are going to hell under the platform of religion, on the platform of religion than anything else. False religions. Millions of people, in fact billions. There are more people in this world out of the seven billion, they say now at the moment, or maybe even more. More people are going to hell under one form of religion or another than those who are going to hell without any religion. In fact, out of the seven billion, I'm very sure most likely six billion people are religious. At the least. Maybe even 6.5. You will finally, hardly find anybody who is not religious in one way or another. But yet, we don't have six billion people who are born again. If we did, the world would be a different place. You walk on the street and every, some, that, every person you meet, almost every person you meet will tell you they believe in one thing or the, the other. And what they believe in is as a result of what they have heard from somebody. That is deception. But the Bible talks about the truth. We shall know the truth. Hallelujah. And the truth has set us free. What does it mean to be to do distracted? To distract somebody is to prevent someone from concentrating on something. Don't be distracted from serving God. It also means to divert attention from something. Don't allow anybody to divert your attention. We've looked at some things, and we want to read the main text again in Joshua chapter 1, verse 7. New Living Translation. The Lord spoke to Joshua. He said, be strong and very courageous. You know, you notice that even the days we're living in, you need to be strong. You need to be courageous. Especially in the UK now. And then coupled with the winter. These three, four months are the most challenging months in the UK. Winter has always been the most challenging time. So not only is it cold, not only is it expensive, everything is hard. That is reality. Times are challenging. You can see everybody now, you know, if they wear you with your clothes on, there will be some extra kilos. You know? Even Pastor Winner that normally wears T-shirt, today is wearing jacket. And I don't think he's put on his fan today. <laughs> you know, I can see Gloria is all wrapped up there. A young girl like you. Hi, Gloria. You know, you can see the thick coat that Brother Gospel is wearing. You know, I don't want to even talk of my dear F word here. She's always been called, even in summer. <laughs> and you can see young William, even wearing a cap. Young person like you. You should be wearing a T-shirt. Challenging times. Difficult times. But we thank God that in spite of this time, some people are getting married. I thought I would get an amen. Yeah. I said some people are getting married. Yeah. Uh -huh. I am looking this way. 
And some people are receiving visitation for coming to say we have seen a flower. <laughs> Brother John. <laughs> Where is the Maji? God bless you. You know, in spite of these times, you know, Brother John and Samoja are receiving, they've come with a bag of money. We have seen a flower. We want to pluck that flower in the house. Praise the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. With God, all things are possible. God is not subject to circumstances. He is not limited to circumstances. Hallelujah. It is times like this that God shows himself mighty. It is times like this that God shows himself powerful. It is times like this God shows himself as the all-providing God. Praise the name of the Lord Jesus. Great things are happening. And greater things are going to happen in the name of Jesus. But the Lord says, don't be discouraged. He said, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey the instructions of the Lord. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the left or to the right. Then you will be successful in everything that you do. God has given us the recipe for success. And we've looked at some distractions in the past. Uh, we're not going to go back to there. But today I want us to go back again and look at um, some distractions that we can easily fall into. You know, we've talked about distraction through success and so on. Some people, when they begin to succeed, that is when they slow down in their service to God. Some people get distracted by good works. You know, good works, you know, we're talking about the purpose of God, the will of God for your life. If you are not careful, you know, even doing some good works can distract you. Even right now in this country especially, many people, instead of serving God, going to church, a lot of them, the British people, they are more concerned about charity work. They can give money to charity, send money to charity, die and will money to charity, even animal charity. You know? I'm not condemning that. But the thing is that they are doing that, but they are not giving God any of their time. As far as they're concerned, those good works are enough. But it is not enough. So in Luke chapter 10, Jesus visits Martha and Mary. Luke chapter 10, from verse 40. You have to be quick because I don't want to be dragging this uh, series indefinitely. Luke chapter 10, verse 40, but Martha was distracted with much serving. And she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. You know, I think Sister Gloria stole in on this a few weeks ago. I think this one is beginning to sound like Christmas. Uh-oh. I think I hit a nerve there. <laughs> For years, since I was a small boy in the village in Africa, right as a small boy, six, seven, eight years old, following my mom to church, sitting next to my mom, I always had the pastor preach during Christmas time. Christmas is not about, 
just eating and drinking. Christmas is not about food. Christmas is not about clothes. Christmas is about Jesus. I had this as a small boy for over 50 years. And yet, Christmas time is one of the times that people com commit the most atrocity. Some of the most immoral activities take place during Christmas period. I saw it in the village. If you think that evil is only in the city, I saw it in the village. And I saw it in the town. And I've come to the Western world. It's the same thing. We say we're celebrating Christmas, but actually we're celebrating ourselves. Because we leave the Jesus of the Christmas aside and we're involved in the festivities. Because Jesus visited Martha and Mary. And Martha was busy about the Christmas celebration. Jesus, ah, uh -uh, celebration. But Mary sat at the feet of Jesus. That is distraction. For years, we keep on emphasizing. When it is Christmas, let's honor the Jesus of the Christmas. After that, we can go home and eat and celebrate. But over, and I've been in this church for 27 years. I know there are people, no matter how much you talk, they will not show up for Christmas service because they are cooking food, they're preparing food to entertain people. I wasn't expecting to get an amen here. But this is the truth. Because it is not different from what happened with Martha and Mary. Seriously. It's not different. Martha was concerned about the food. Mary was concerned about the word, the Jesus who had visited them. And she sat to listen to Jesus. Food could have been eaten later. I want you to celebrate this Christmas with a difference. Give God his due. Give Jesus his due. I am sure everybody, apart from maybe Brother Ayo, who is here to celebrate his birthday, his birthday is on the 31st. I mean, isn't it strange that everybody here has celebrated birthday this year? Uh-oh. Yeah. Is there anybody here who hasn't celebrated birthday apart from Brother Ayo? What? So everybody this year has celebrated birthday. Isn't it? <laughs> Wow. So everybody has had an extra year added to them this year. Now, let's say Brother John is uh, celebrating his birthday. And uh, we want to really honor Brother John. What do we do? We find a way of getting to his place. Isn't it? Because, you know, it, the birthday is about him. We go to his place or wherever he chooses to celebrate the birthday, we want to be with him. If he chooses to a hall somewhere, we, we want to get involved with him. We go there. So it is celebrating the birth of Jesus. Where do we go? 
Amen. The wise men left the east and traveled, we don't know for how long, to go to where Jesus was to worship him. But anyway, I hope that we celebrate this Christmas with a difference. Prepare all your food, but come to church. Let's praise God. Let's thank God who has brought us salvation. And then we go home and eat and eat. And then the following day, we eat and eat. Then the following day, again, we eat and eat. We have all those times to eat. But let's not take the time allocated to honor Jesus. Let's not use it on ourselves. It's a similar thing to Sunday. God, right from the Old Testament, he said one day must be put aside for his worship. In fact, he was very, very strict about it in the Old Testament. You got killed if you messed up. But in the New Testament, while he, you may not get killed, God is still to be honored at least one special day a week. A week. It's still in place. So let's give God his time. Jesus Christ visited, and the Lord Jesus Christ said to her in verse 41, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good path, which will not be taken away from her. In Acts chapter 6, the apostles were beginning to be distracted by the food situation. You know, I'll tell you something about this uh, COVID. You know, as a pastor, we've had ministers' meetings here and there and so on and so forth. You know, had conversations with pastors, ministers here and there. Not just our alien ministers, but a lot of pastors really got distracted during the COVID. And some have not recovered. Can I tell you this thing? You know, the Samson is there. Some of the, we get information about properties. Almost every week we get, you know, just as some of them are not, um, maybe they are a bit far or they are too expensive. You know, properties that were once owned by church, the churches. I'm talking about some of the Pentecostal churches. They've closed down. Or they have downsized. And part of the problem is that some of them, you know, hyped up this online thing so much and they overstayed the online thing. By the time people went back to church, they refused to open their church saying online, online. And people found other physical churches to attend. So by the time they opened their own church, now people were already used to physical churches they were attending elsewhere and they didn't come back. You know, I thank God, because I don't know about you, it just gives me great joy to come and see you here physically. I can, even if I see you on the Zoom, it's not the same. I can't shake your hand on Zoom. Even if you smile at me on the Zoom, it's not the same, you know. When we are in church like this, there's something about physical interaction. Praise the name of Jesus Christ. Now, what some ministers have gotten into again now is this issue of uh, food distribution. And, you know, it's very easy. The line is thin. 
Very easy to rationalize because the times are difficult. And say, well, the church, we want to get involved with food. We believe in that. And I'm sure Pastor Gabriel, every year, the youths prepare something to give to people. That's great. But we're talking about a situation where you do not allow things like that to distract you from the main thing. Food is good. Charity work is good. But it is not the main thing. So the disciples said in Acts chapter 6, verse 2, the New Living Translation, so the 12 called a meeting of all the believers. I love this. In January, we are calling a meeting of all the believers. We'll discuss. They said, we apostles should spend our time teaching the word of God, not running a food program. And so brothers, select seven men who are well-respected and are full of the spirit and wisdom. We will give them this responsibility. Then we apostles can spend our time in prayer and teaching the word. So they saw this food program as a distraction. And they recognized it very quickly. And they said, look, this is not the right thing. Let some other people get involved with this. We want to concentrate on the ministry of the world. Sometimes if you are not careful, you are distracted by some good works at the expense of your commitment, personal commitment to God, if I put it that way. Sometimes you can spend hours and hours and hours doing some other physical things good, but you spend very little time with God. I want to ask you a question, not that I want your answer. How many minutes did you pray this morning? Just answer that question to yourself. And how many minutes did you pray yesterday? Did you read your Bible yesterday? Maybe today you say, okay, we're going to church, okay, fine. Throughout this week, have you read your Bible? God bless you. Amen? If you didn't and you haven't, please, it's part of the Christian discipline. Pray every day. Not only when you have issues. Not only when you have problems. Pray. Next thing. I did talk earlier Sometimes if we are not careful, we get distracted by wrong teaching and false prophets. These days, false prophets are flying everywhere. I'm telling you. And the thing is, the thing that is baffling me is some of the things that they say, they tell you, they, your village, your grandmother, your great-great-grandfather, they tell you your telephone number. And at the end of the day, what is that? I mean, I heard of somebody, I mean, here, here in, in this UK. So I'm preaching like this. And uh, so I got my phone here. I'm preaching here, and the phone rings. And I answer, in the course of my preaching, uh, yes, Lord. Oh, Brother John, okay. Brother John, this message is for you. 
Okay, the Lord says this. Okay, the Lord says this. Seriously speaking, and people are clapping, jumping up and down, saying hallelujah. Yeah. For goodness sake, God has gotten down to talking to you over the phone. Seriously. No, they, oh my God. The, the most absurd thing is that people are jumping and clapping. Shouting hallelujah. Coming to drop offering. They've reduced God to now telephone call. Come on. These things are happening. False preachers, false prophets. And you notice they can tell you everything about you except solve your problem. <laughs> I know people like that. They tell you everything, but yet their problem is not solved. I just came back from Nigeria. <laughs> I have. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Somebody came from East Africa to preach. Actually, you know, in one of the places I went to preach. I'm glad that that person didn't come. I didn't want to, that person to come and join me where I was preaching. Came and mentioned, you know, last year, said that uh, the next president of Nigeria was this, this person, this, this person mentioned. But do you know what? The presidential tickets for all the election have been sold and the campaign has begun. That person did not even express interest. He said another person was going to be the next governor. That person didn't even buy the ticket, I mean the form for governorship. But when he made the statement, people were clapping and jumping. But brethren, these things are happening. We need to go to the Word. What does the Word of God say? Daniel chapter 11, verse 32. Don't be distracted by wrong teaching and false prophecies or prophets. In Daniel 11, verse 32, it says, the Bible says, those who do wickedly against the covenant, he shall corrupt with flattery. But the people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. I want you to take note of that word flattery because that is what is happening. People are being flattered in our churches. Thank God, not us. We don't flatter you here. We tell you the truth. What does it mean to flatter somebody? I'm trying to check, because I, I have an idea, but let me just, I want to see what, uh, okay, I don't have it here. But anyhow, let me, let's read this, let's read the, what I have here. 
in the New Living Translation. It says, he will flatter and win over those who have violated the covenant, but the people who know their God will be strong and will resist him. To flatter somebody to tell, is to tell something to somebody that is not true, but it's something they want to hear. You don't look good, but you tell them, wow, you look fantastic. You might as well just keep quiet and say nothing. Because sometimes you feel like, I don't know why people sometimes feel like they might say something. You don't have to say something. You know? You visit somebody and the person serves food and you don't quite in, like the food, the taste. And the person says, I hope you enjoy Yes, yes. But the moment the person tells you, then after some time, I say, thank you very much, I've had enough. <laughs> you know, and the thing is that Okay, if I visit you and you cook what I don't like and I tell you it is wonderful, what happens? Next time I visit you, you cook the same thing for me. You know, and after some time now, it is a matter of time before I start to complain. When I was cutting with my wife, she knows that, you know. I, never, I, I told her, I said, let's be real. She said, no, don't do things to try to impress me. Because when we get married, we're going to uh, know, know everything about ourselves. So this, don't, just do things. Don't try to impress me. Don't try to dress to impress me. Don't try to do anything to impress me. Just cook. If she cooks food and I visited her and I didn't like it, I would say it. It is here. Because I, I, I knew that if I told her it was okay, she would get used to cooking like that. And when we got married, she was going to be cooking like that. I would be suffering. But I'm the architect of the whole thing. I, I told her that it's nice, so she'll say, ah, my husband, my fiance likes this, so I'll be cooking this for him. When we get married, we'll be cooking this for him. Then it would have been a matter of time before I started to complain. But she would now say, well, but when we were cutting, you told me this was fine. Because number one, I have flattered her. Number two, I have lied to her. Number three, I have deceived her because I'm not telling her the truth. <laughs> That's it. So, it, oh my God, my God. It, it, you see, and the thing with flattery is that, you know, it, you know, it doesn't help the, peop, the person at all. Because the person will not see the need to change or even improve. You know, somebody is not doing particularly well, and you tell them they are doing wonderfully well. You know, this country, I think they have that kind of thing. A, a child comes from school, and you know, oh my goodness. You know, during our time, if you didn't pass, they would tell the whole class. <laughs> Seriously. Hey, Pastor Winner, I don't know about your place in the place. Huh? Yes. Uh, in the class, you did test like this. They would come and stand. Okay, this is master's. Uh, 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 John Akinduro, 98%. They will clap. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, God's will, 78%. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Gloria, 68%. Yes, yes, yes. And then they come down to uh, Ike, they can say 28%. They say, ah, no. I'm just okay. <laughs> Ike is saying, God forbid. 
<laughs> you know, but you know the thing is this. Because of that, it made everybody sit up. You don't want to, you know, in front of the class that you got 12% and they say, ooh. <laughs> no, seriously, everybody was serious. I'm talking about primary school. Even secondary school, the same thing. You didn't just mess up. Like, people would know and they would make a point of you and mess you up. You know, but when I came to this country, they said, ah, they pampering the children. You say, ah, you are doing wonderful. The child is not doing very well. Some of the things, oh my goodness, have mercy. Some of the things I learned in primary school, I found that here in secondary school, they, that's what they are learning. Some of the science I did in primary school. Seriously. Some of the things I learned in secondary school, some of the people here, they, they don't know. Yeah. Geography, science, biology. But they are told, you know, uh, they, they, they just promote you based on age. Uh, you haven't passed, but they push you to the next class. <laughs> that is a way of flattery because, you know, by promoting the child, that means you are telling the child that he's fine, but he hasn't passed. But that is not helping the child. By the time he finishes this, he'll fail. Because he was pushed forward and told he was fine for the next class when actually he wasn't. And so people come to church. They are not doing particularly well spiritually, but they, we tell them they are doing fine. They are doing just fine. They don't even pray five minutes and we tell them they are doing great. They don't read their Bible. We tell them they are doing just fine. No, we are not helping them. No. We want to challenge you to read your Bible. Amen? We want to challenge you to pray. Because that is what the Bible says. I'm not going to tell you that within five minutes is okay. Start from there, but build on and move forward from there. Don't stay there. And if you were praying 30 minutes before, now you are praying 10 minutes. You know, something is beginning to not be right. So make sure you step up again. Because times are getting more difficult. In Proverbs chapter 29, verse 5, Proverbs 29, verse 5, a man who flatters his neighbor spreads a net for his feet. <laughs> so if I flatter you, I'm spreading a net for your feet. It's a matter of time before the net brings you down. But the Bible says that in the last days, people who have violated the covenant, the covenant of God, who don't want to live according to the, the word of God, will be corrupted by flatteries. They will get people who will flatter them, tell them that they are good, when actually they are not. And that is what, what's happening. Yesterday in the evening before I went up to go and do my studies and pray, you know, we're listening to uh, Jimmy Swaggart doing Bible studies with some of his members, you know, my wife, my children, we came with Saturday for some time, we were listening. And uh, they were discussing, say, why is it that, you know, the world, unbelievers are very, um, you know, antagonistic against the truth? 
because, the, you know, so there was a saying that it's because, the, you know, the truth kind of makes them feel guilty. When you tell them the truth, they, are very, they feel very uneasy about it. That's why they fight it. They, nobody wants to be told that they are, they are living a sinful life. But you need to admit that you are a sinner in order to be saved. So, but we, we want to tell people what they want to hear. But if we only tell them what they want to hear, it is not going to help them. In fact, you are spreading a net for their feet. In, in the New Living Translation, the Bible says, to flatter friends is to lay a trap for their feet. Proverbs 29.5. The book of Job, chapter 32. Job, chapter 32, verse 21. Let me not, I pray, show partiality to anyone, nor let me flatter any man. For I do not know how to flatter, else my maker would soon take me away. This is what Job is saying. Let me, don't, Lord, I don't want to flatter anybody. I don't want the Lord to take me away. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, I'm giving you scriptures that we can go and meditate on. 2 Timothy chapter 2. Paul was writing to Timothy. He said in verse 16, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 16, avoid worthless, foolish talk that only leads to more godless behavior. This kind of talk spreads like cancer, as in the case of Hymenius and Philetus. He said they have left the path of truth. These guys, that means these people knew the truth. But they have left the path of truth, claiming that the resurrection of the dead has already occurred. And then in this way, they have turned some people away from the faith. Another version says they have overthrown the faith of some people through some of this false teaching, telling people that the resurrection has taken place. And people fell for it, and their faith was overthrown. But the strange thing is that the Bible says these people have left the path of truth. So there was a time they were walking the path of truth. They left and veered off and began to get into other strange teachings. We must walk the straight road of the way to salvation, the way to heaven. Amen? Second Timothy chapter 4 Verse 2, the New Living Translation says, Preach the word of God. Be prepared whether the time is favorable or not. Patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage your people with good teaching. Notice, good teaching involves correction. Good teaching involves rebuke. Good teaching involves encouragement. We need all of this. But flattery 
is only about telling the other person the good part. Verse 3. For a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching is want to hear. Sounds like today. They will reject the truth and chase after myths. But God has given us a remedy and a solution in Ephesians chapter 4. That's why I'm saying that Gloria stole my message. There's a remedy. Ephesians chapter 4 from verse 11. I want to read from the New Living Translation. Ephesians 4, 11. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. So what is their job? Anybody that calls themselves an apostle, a prophet, an evangelist, a pastor, a teacher, what should be their role or their responsibility? Verse 12, Ephesians 4, 12. Say their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue. Everybody say continue. So it is not stopping. This teaching ought to continue because we never get to the place where we say, well, we have known enough. We have learned enough. There's always room for improvement. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. And then verse 14 says, Then, 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 we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. So the solution is the teaching of the world like we're doing now. Very quickly, I got a lesson just about 12 minutes ago. The next thing is for us to avoid distraction by bad company, bad friends, and wrong relationships. Because when we're talking about being watchful, it involves everything you do. Being watchful involves the kind of friends you, you, you hang around with. It involves where you go and where you shouldn't go. Being careful involves what you involve with and what you don't, and what you shouldn't. It's not just one thing. In the book of Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20, he who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will be destroyed. Now, in the book of 1 Kings, the Lord had spoken to King Solomon and warned him against getting involved with foreign women who did not know God. 1 Kings chapter 11, verse 1, the Bible says, Now King Solomon loved many foreign women beside 
Pharaoh's daughter. Now we know that the people of Israel were in bondage in Egypt to Pharaoh. Now here is a king going to find himself Pharaoh's daughter. <laughs> I don't know how he was able to do that. He went back all the way back to Egypt, I don't know, to go and find himself Pharaoh's daughter as a wife. But that's what the Bible says. He married women from Moab, Ammon, Edom, Sidon, and from among the Hittites. The Lord had clearly instructed the people of Israel, you must not marry them because they will turn your hearts to their gods. Yet Solomon insisted on loving them anyway. Many years ago in Nigeria, there was a British man. This, he was simply known as Pa Elton, not Elton John. He was a missionary in Nigeria since 1936. In fact, he was, is uh, said to have been the father of Pentecostal Christianity in Nigeria. You know, I listened to him once, 1985. He was around 92 years old that time. But he was said to have made a statement that if the devil wants to destroy a man, he finds him a wife. <laughs> so he let people chew on this. If the devil wants to destroy a man, he finds him a wife. I think somewhere in the book of Proverbs, it says that by means of a warish woman, a man is brought to a piece of bread. I'm not saying all, all women are bad, you know. When the type that the devil will fight for you is not the kind of Christian good girls, no. Talking about those ones that are agents of the devil. That will prove to be a snare to you. I've seen that. I've seen people get married and that is the end of everything about them. Their Christianity is gone. This is what happened to King Solomon. The devil lured him to get involved with some of these foreign women. And look at it. Verse 3 of 1 Kings chapter 11. He said he had 700 wives of royal birth and 300 concubines. And in fact, they did turn his heart away from the Lord. Verse 4. In Solomon's old age, they turned his heart to worship other gods instead of being completely faithful to the Lord his God, as his father David had been. Now we know the story of Samson in Judges chapter 14. Samson was another person in Judges chapter 14. He says, Now Samson went down to Timnah and saw a woman in Timnah of the daughters of the Philistines. These Philistines were enemies of God's people. So he went up and told his father and mother, saying, I have seen a woman in Timnah of the daughters of the Philistines. Now therefore get her for me as a wife. I mean, this, this step, I mean, this step rather, this step, you know, looks like something good, isn't it? You know, a young man finds a wife, he goes, ah, ah, Papa, I have found somebody. And the father will say, ah, wow, you know, okay, who is that person? You know, normally parents, uh, especially when they are children of age, you know, they always welcome this kind of news. Whether it's a young lady that comes and says, look, hey, mommy, daddy, I have found somebody. They say, ah, okay, who is the person? 
you know. So um, they are very keen, usually very keen. Who is he? And so on and so forth and so forth. So the parents were keen, of course, they listened to him. You know, he took the first step right, but then other things wrong. Then his father, verse 3, and mother, thank God, his father and mother. You know, this guy was doing some things right, you know. He didn't just involve one of the priests, he bought his father and mother. He said, they, they said to him, is there no woman among the daughters of your brethren or among all my people that you must go and get a wife from the uncircumcised Philistines? And Samson said to his father, get her for me for she pleases me well. And we know the remaining story. Later on, of course, he got involved with Delilah and Delilah was a snare to him. Delilah was of the devil. The Philistines planted her on him, tricked him to reveal the secret of his power. When he did, that was the end. Who knows how his ministry would have ended up, but because he got involved with the wrong person. Bad friends. I look over the years, and uh, one of the greatest things that God has helped me with over the years is that I kept away from certain friends, from certain people. But in the village, as a young boy growing up, as a Christian growing up, I simply didn't get along with certain friends. I just avoided them. That really helped me. You know, you want to be careful about the people you move with. You want to be careful about your friends. Because quite often, you think that uh, you will be just fine. But when the devil sets in, when the devil is at work, before you notice it, you are brought down heavily, heavily. You need to be careful. Relationships, company. If you want to walk the path of righteousness, the path of life, you must be careful about the type of friends you keep. If you're a young person, you must be careful about the person you marry. I always say this, it is a hard saying, but it's the truth. Sometimes you are better off as a single person serving God than getting a wrong, into a wrong marriage. Because the heartaches of a wrong marriage cannot compare with whatever you thought you were suffering as a single person. There are people that if they had, if they had it all, all over again, they would rather just not have married at all. There are people that got married and ended up being killed by their spouse. Oh yeah. Have you heard, you heard of it? Killed by their spouse. If they hadn't married that person, they would, have, they would be alive. Thank God for marriage, but marriage is not everything. Marriage is not the ticket to heaven. You know, with Vicky, she's 24, she's going to be 25 next year. We've told her already, we said we will never put pressure on her 
Even if she's getting to 30 years old, 30, we're never going to put pressure on her. Where is the man? Where is the man? No. We tell her to relax, serve God. When the time comes, the man comes. If it doesn't come, she's not going to die. Because sometimes it's parents that put pressure on the children. Uh-oh, maybe I shouldn't say this. You will rest. Where is the man? Where is the man? Your friends are getting married there. Your friends are doing this. Your, your mates are getting this. Your mates are doing that. And the, the mother was grandchild. My mates are grandchildren. My mates are this. But you, want, you don't want the grandchild at, at a very high price. Amen? Let's pray for our children. Pray for our young ones. Let God bring the right people into their lives. He makes all things beautiful in his own time. Hallelujah. You know? Everybody's got age mates. But the things of life don't happen to us at the same time. Because we're age mates. I got married at the age of what, 33? Some of uh, my age mates got married at 20-something. They are already grandchildren. Uh, grand, sorry, grandfathers. But you see, just because we were born the same time doesn't mean that uh, you know, I too should be a grandfather. No. Our paths in life are different. Remember, I close with this, and I always say this. This race, this Christian race, we are running together, but it is still an individual race. Did you get that? The marathon people that start off at the shout of a gun, maybe sometimes hundreds of them, the marathon, they run hundreds, maybe 100, 200. They all take off and go. They are running together. But at the same time, it is still an individual race. So everyone must follow the rules. 100 meters, the gun goes off. They started together. But everybody must run and keep to the rules. And stay in their lane. Or else they stand to be disqualified. I pray that the Lord will help us to run straight. Keep in our lanes. Don't be distracted. Be careful. These days, the devil tries everything. If he tries one thing, it doesn't work, he tries another. And I pray that the Lord will help us. Amen? Don't be distracted by false teachers. Whenever you are watching television, be careful the preachers you listen to. Be careful the preachers you listen to on YouTube. There are good preachers there, but there are terrible lies there on YouTube. There are good preachers on TV, Christian preachers, but there are those that you don't even want to sit under them. 
some of those false preachers, they are on television. I don't want to sit under them and come under their spirit. No. Hallelujah. Jesus is coming soon. Let's hold fast to that which we got. Jesus Christ was writing to the church in the Revelation. He said, no one, hold fast to that which you have. Let no one take your crown. Let's rise on our feet and pray. Let no one take your crown.